Hockey season is coming up, and that means new merch over at ourdragonsmerch.com. Get the latest designs and some of our fun new souvenirs ahead of what's sure to be a great 22-23 hockey season. Celebrate another season of River Dragons hockey coming up by getting a new look to wear on game days, or surprise the big-time sports fan in your life with a new keepsake that will make them a River Dragons fan for life. Order online right now at ourdragonsmerch.com. That's the letter R, dragonsmerch.com. We'll see you at the rink in November. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Minutes Roughing. In fact, the final episode before our spring break break. Uh, we have yeah. quite the episode to kind of end things off on just for, just for a week, of course. But yep. still, a lot, a lot to talk about. Uh, so welcome, Mark. You, you're making some little comments back there. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. We, uh Look, I'm actually fully awake this week, and I'm actually, I've actually got my sleep patterns back in check. I think for once, wow, it, it feels weird that I actually have gotten my sleep <laughs> patterns back in check. It took a lot of work for some reason, but, but still, it, it, it's there. Uh, but uh, again, we we have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, and later, and later in the show, we have a very special interview. Yes, we have we. We have uh, things coming up in the show. One of them, we're so recording before, it might not happen, possibly. Uh, if it does, you'll... You, you, you just uh, cut this part out. The show will go a little longer than, than what it was originally. But still, I mean, we have our Don Kinnerman interview. We, of course, Commissioner of the FPHL was amazing. It was, it's a great interview. You should listen to it. Uh, we got to talk about some stuff happening in the Fed and the SP. I mean, this could be like another ninety-minute episode, like we had a couple of those back to back a while ago. Yeah, like the, the like we're probably gonna reach an hour, our typical yeah. hour, no matter what. But the, if we get that other thing, which again, cut this out if it doesn't happen. Uh, no, no, that that's staying in now, just because you said that. Barry, cut this out. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. This, this is uh This is gonna be. This is a quite a uh, big episode. Leave off before you leave us next week. You're yes, the reason I, why I, we're taking a break. Yes. Uh, see, Rando is enjoying his spring break. That means no responsibilities. That means going out and being in the middle of a boat in the ocean. And I am just going to relax and I am going to enjoy. And I, I'm going to laugh if any, any news comes out that's funny. So, yes, uh, I, I, am, I am counting down the days until that happens. Uh, but we still have to talk about what's happening right now. And that is, let's talk about the Fed first. So yeah. quite the weekend in the FPHL. I mean, I, I guess let's let's just kind of go straight into it. It feels like a lot of the scores are kind of the same, but we're still seeing kind of uh, some movement, at least momentarily, yeah. especially when it comes to third place in the Continental Division, but not quite yet. So Mark, Columbus this weekend, uh, they did lose one in overtime, but still, they, you know, it's Binghamton. You, you have a quite a challenge there. They win one, lose one in overtime. I guess thoughts on that. I, you know, I'm a little impressed with Binghamton because they've been looking a little rough lately. Off. Yeah. But you know what? They played well this past weekend in Columbus and one of like the toughest buildings in the entire league. I guess what the tough, the top team, they came in and played well, only lost by a goal in the first game and then won the second game. That you know what for Binghamton that that gives me a little bit more hope for them as we head down the playoff stretch because those are the types of games that like yeah you want to win but given how shaky things have been that gives a little bit more of a confidence I think this weekend was kind of good for both teams if that makes sense mm. uh, I think that's fair but yeah. I'm very interested to see what happens uh, with Columbus kind of, and again, we're wrapping up quickly heading towards the playoffs. Uh, and then this weekend they're in Detroit. Uh, yeah. So it's, I think I'm very interested to kind of see that. And it's three games, by the way, on a team with a team that in, in motor city, that's getting a little hot. So I'm very yeah, interested to see man. that when we get to motor city and talk about that. Um, also with Columbus, just a random thing. They've lost three overtime, three games in overtime in their last ten. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, they're they're literally holding out to the end. They are, and they are doing everything they can to 
try to keep Carolina behind them. It's yeah, working out right now. They're, yeah, let's talk about Carolina. Um, Carolina get, actually split the weekend in Motor City. They lost that first game pretty yeah. roughly. Um, that was a rough score. What, what was the five to one against Motor City? Yeah, it was. Ooh. I yeah, that was a great win for Motor City and one they needed against a team like Carolina. But Carolina came back the next night. They were a little angry. They won five three. Uh, given like Carolina needed those points to try to keep pace with Columbus, uh, because they, because I still feel like that's gonna be a race down the stretch for that top seed. But Motor mm-hmm. City gained some much needed points this past weekend, and now they're getting they went from second place to first place, but they're also still hosting, and that's Columbus. Uh, that I'll, you know, if they can take a win from Columbus this weekend, that would be huge. Yeah, it would be. I, I mean, I guess this one I, again, the Motor City. Besides, besides Carolina, they currently have the best last ten in in you know in the Connell Division. They're six two yeah. and two. Well, no, I, I mean, technically speaking, Columbus has better too because they're six one and three. Yeah, th- th- that's fair, but but I mean, they're you know they're they're playing like at the top level teams. Yeah. I think that's something that should be 100 percent point out. Most importantly, they're playing better than the team that they're racing for that third seed with. Yes, uh, Port Huron three and seven in their last ten. I mean, yeah. Even Mississippi, who has had their up and ups and downs. And by the way, if you're in Mississippi, uh, Bruce Boudreaux will be going. Uh, he's in Mississippi on Friday, uh, the day this episode's going up. So Port Huron, though. Uh, not a great weekend in Delaware. They lost yeah. to Delaware on Friday, five to two, and they had both teams were wanting to lose on Saturday. I watched that some of that game on Saturday. Both teams were wanting to lose. Mm. Like both teams were just, especially towards the end, just like felt like who wanted to lose more, and that, <laughs> and eventually Delaware lost, but. Seven to six score, and a game like that is rough looking on Port Huron, and and let's see if they and I'll be curious to see if they do any better at home against Elmira. They'll be yeah. playing so that so about the fourth place teams in the FPHL. Yeah, and then I, I guess. Yes, Mississippi. Also, it's it's Mississippi. They're basically at. I mean, again, it feels like you know, next this time next year, I'm I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah, are, are you? Do you have the same feeling I do? Mississippi. It's kind of pissed. Like, I think I may have said this last week, so I might sound like a broken record, but it almost makes me mad that Mississippi is now fighting that gear because they did well against at home against Watertown. I know not the toughest of opponents, but like. They did well this weekend, swept them at home. Uh, 5-4-1 their last 10, winners of three straight. They actually have the second longest winning streak in the, in the Fed right now. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. everyone else has broken their streaks recently, and the only one other team with a streak at all is Danbury with six wins. Yeah, they, they are. So I, I guess let's kind of talk about Danbury, actually. Yeah. Six six ever. wins in their past six games. I mean, that's uh that's yeah. kind of crazy. They needed that. They were kind of looking a little rough for a little bit, had a little downswing, but now they're right back in that conversation to potentially be the top team in the Fed entirely. Yeah, um, and they're going to be playing Watertown this weekend, which a team that has given them a little trouble in the past. Uh, yeah, so maybe a way to kind of put out some demons. But they. They are hot. The, the them rabbits are hot right now, and I'm not talking about rabbits too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then this. and then we go into to Binghamton. Uh, I mean, we kind of already talked about this again. Kind of held in there with Columbus. Yeah, I mean, it's the Empire Division. It's gonna it that 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 the way the playoffs are looking. It's gonna be a fight between them and Danbury, isn't it? And speaking of a fight, though, the team that they are playing this weekend, they are traveling to Winston Salem. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, ooh! That might be the best games of the weekend. That though, that might be the best series of this weekend. Because hmm. yeah, 
like Columbus and Motor City, yeah, it could be decent. But Carolina and Binghamton, both kind of physical, pretty physical teams, and both really good teams, and both have big reasons to keep winning right now. They're, yeah, I, I'm. That that's kind of something to kind of keep an eye on and watch. So that, like, I think that will be a fun series to watch. But I think there might be another fun series to watch. I'll get into that later. Hmm. Now that I look at something. Uh, but Watertown. Uh, so let's talk about Watertown. Yeah. So five, three, and two in the last ten. Not exactly terrible, but I, I think we're, we're basically seeing this team kind of holding water in terms of. Yeah. All right. We're, we know we're probably going to end up at third the way Elmira is yeah. playing at the moment. Yeah. Which we'll get like, to. Wart, I mean, for a while it looked a little shaky. I think we, we mentioned this last week. I'm, I know. But Watertown getting back into a little bit better form is what, you know, that's good to see. And at this point of the season, that's what you want to see. You don't want to be starting to falter now. You want to start getting better now. And they, they are doing what they are supposed to be doing. And who knows? Maybe they could surprise, do a little, little funny business in the playoffs. Yeah, possibly. Uh, and then let's talk about um, Elmira. Delaware is performing better than Elmira. Everybody's performing better than Elmira right now. One six and three in the last ten. Uh, they did lose in overtime, so they did get a point on Saturday against Danbury, which, which you know, that's not a bad. Like, like this past weekend, okay, Friday was pretty rough, five to one loss at Danbury. But then at home, like they they played. Well, how about this? Oh, wait, no, that Danbury Elmira game. Oh, I that there's one player I'm feeling so bad for, and that that's Harley White on Elmira. He tried, dude. He really tried. He was just getting pummeled with shots all damn game. And the and the shootout went like ten plus rounds. Yeah, uh, like there was one shot where like it felt like maybe the hockey gods were were potentially going to save Harley. The puck stopped on the line at one point. Wow! Like, but then the next, but didn't matter because everybody uh, still ended up winning. But just like I was rooting for Harley there. I wasn't even rooting for Elmira. I was rooting for Harley. Like he was playing so well, uh, Elmira. I yeah. I'm not. I don't. Okay, look. I don't think full chaos happens, and we see the thing that we think might happen, but it would be funny. But mm. there's. I don't think there's real, real. Realistically, it's not going to happen. It yeah. would take, but it is still possible that Delaware could, like I said. Delaware's four, five, and one in their last ten. Where is this coming from? They have a better record in their last ten than Port Huron and Binghamton. Yeah, I, I guess I have a couple things to say about Delaware, but in terms of how their play is uh, right now, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm kind of sad. Like like there's a there's a slight chance this could possibly be the final team uh, for the Thunder and. You know, I, I, they never really got a chance to go to the playoffs. They never really did anything like that. And it's just like, here, here we go. You know, and, and like, if they end things off on a high note, uh, maybe uh, this weekend cool, though. It's just like, where was this team the entire year? That's the yeah, that, that trust me, I've been saying that all year, even because it felt like they could do more, and they just never did. And now they're showing what I thought they could do. But this weekend, it's a it's a battle. To, of the hot last place teams, Delaware, mm. Mississippi, down in Biloxi this weekend. Yeah, and like I say, <laughs> both teams are actually playing all right. They're playing basically five hundred hockey with their records, and and they're going to be playing against each other. So I'm curious who's hotter. Yeah. I, now I I I, uh, I want to talk about something real quick, Mark. I, I want your thoughts on this a little bit. I'm not going to force you into anything. Uh, so. I, what ha- on Friday, friend of the show who, who we need to get on near the end. Uh, uh Brent Brent O'Reilly. He, uh, how do I say this? You know, I talked about this Monday on my show, my solo show. But again, this is a, I'm trying. I try to be a little more professional here. 
what happened on Friday for those who watched that the Friday Port Huron Delaware game? Uh, having league ownership, excuse me, no, no team ownership. I, I shouldn't say league team ownership go up to someone who is injured, who agreed to stay behind and help, and has basically put his heart and soul into the team. Mark, you you can confirm this part. Yeah, I I, I mean, yeah, he's done he, a lot of things that maybe. A player shouldn't. He's gonna point that. That's gonna leave it at that. And mm-hmm. it definitely feels like he's been getting the rough end of things. Yeah, rough end things. of things, uh, including getting yelled at during a broadcast by an unprofessional owner. I mean, yeah. have you ever seen anything like that happen besides like the random beer league pod uh, broadcasts? Yeah, no, like that's that's just a rough look. That that's a far. Uh, how about this? That makes the team look a lot worse than what makes Brendan O'Reilly. Yep, and you know, I I I, I did kind of talk about the situation with Commissioner Don, and I'll say this: I, I wasn't a huge fan of the response. You guys will kind of hear it later. Uh, I I do think that Charles Penn Senior should release an apology. I am very disappointed that the league has not been forcing him has been kind of waiting behind the scenes on this one uh, to kind of push things. From what uh, I – should we say, like, what we have heard on that front? Um, I, I, I'll, I'll play it safe for now. Fair. Um, but I, 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 think it's, I think it kind of shows some true colors. I'll say that. And I, I think I tried to get that – through my with my question a little bit, but I think Charles Spence Senior. Hundred percent, he has not said a private apology to Brandon. Or Brandon, excuse me. Uh, he needs to really say public apology, uh, and he needs to basically kind of own up for a mistake. And what I would do is I would I would have Charles be on the broadcast. I would open it up saying, uh, you know, this happened on Friday. I want to apologize for my actions, and you, you do kind of ha- kind of a handshake on camera like that, and you. You let things go because O'Reilly has been an asset for the Thunder more than than the fans realize. Including, let me let me just say, the Delaware fans who absolutely go kind of uh, have a little bit of a cuckoo mentality for ownership. I understand Delaware is not exactly the most uh, respected state when it comes to pro teams, and Delaware should 100 have a team. Um, but maybe don't back always the horse. That's kind of kind of a jerk. That's all I'm going to say. So yeah. Yeah, Mark. If you have anything else, uh, that's my kind of say on it. How, how about this? I'm gonna promise this. Should the team not make it to next season, you will hear my true thoughts about everything. How about this? I don't feel safe in saying the things that I really want to say right now. I, I won't go that far. if I'm saying that. I won't go that far, but. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be unfiltered. That's that's what I'll say. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't I don't want to be filtered with what I want to say. So that's why I'm yeah. I, I'm just leaving it at that. You can you can get a good idea if I'm kind of stopping myself and giving some of the things I have said on this podcast. You, you know, it's not great. Yes. All right. Uh, let's move on. And talk about the SPHL. So before uh-huh. we talk about the standings, uh, including the, the the team that's on top of it. Uh, Mark, you want to talk about some uh, news that's coming out? Okay, so good. I mean, so far, things have been looking up for the Pure Riverman on the ice front. The vote uh, for the City Council is this upcoming Tuesday. I will be in attendance as per usual. I will be there. I will say this. the I, I still love how I, – I will say this. I said this last week, and I still love the fact that I gave some of the nastiest side glances of my life when the board head was directly behind me, basically, at that at the last council meeting of the, the Civic Center board head. Oh, I gave some nasty side glances. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but there still needs to be that lease, but the Civic Center is having an emergency meeting the day before that city council meeting. So that I feel like might be something, but I'm not entirely sure. But it, it's there, so we're keeping an eye on it. 
Otherwise, on the ice, ugh, can we stop playing Evansville? I I told y'all, <laughs> Evansville gives Peoria fits. I don't know what it is with that team. Like, we played well on, on Saturday in Bloomington, which, by the way, great crowd in Bloomington. A lot, like, we're talking almost 5,000 fans. Um, Like, 4,500, 5,000 fans. And it was great. Like, we, we actually shut out a team. I think that's the first time this year that Eric Levine has shut out a team that wasn't named the Quad City Storm. And he's, <laughs> this is his fifth shutout. Wow. <laughs> Uh, uh, then next night in Evansville did not go great. I kind of feel like we should have played Levine. We, we played Jack Berry. I wish we kind of would have went with Levine. I always try, I'd say go for with the hot hand, but, um, we ended up losing that game. But as I said, though, Evansville this season has given Peoria fits. I don't know what it is. They're that one team that, Gives Peoria a lot of issues. We we played Huntsville. We played Knoxville. You know, the only other team that I would say gave us as much issue with is Birmingham. Mm. So, uh, so I, I guess again, what the team has officially clinched uh, into the playoffs. I guess your thought as a fan, uh, you know, with the team kind of being the first again. I will uh, say this: do that. at the beginning of the season, I did not expect Peoria to be the first team. Uh, <laughs> we had a rough beginning, but. At that point, though, it like the Quad City was going to be the first team to make the playoffs, and uh, we'll talk about them later. Yeah. Um, again, well, let's talk about <laughs> Birmingham and Huntsville. Again, kind of uh, – the, basically, these teams are kind of flip-flopping. I think okay, you know what? I have a hot take. I think Birmingham's going to get the first seed. You think so? Peoria's playing a little rough right now. We're 6-3-1 and one in our last 10. Birmingham now, been playing a lot of bad teams, though. I mean, they've been playing mostly like Pittsburgh. Yeah, and we were just playing, and we were just playing a lot against the one team that gives us a lot of issues. Um, and now I also looked at the schedule, by the way, for Peoria. Uh, let's see, five of our next six games are against Quad City. All right, and Quad City is currently two points out of the playoffs. Yeah, but Quad City is also a team that Peoria has been playing pretty well against for except for like the very beginning of the season. Mm. So we play, yeah, three straight games. We play a three and three next weekend, two against Quad City. They're all at home, two against Quad City, one one against Fate, Evansville, and then a three and three that involves going to Peoria, then to Quad City, then back to Peoria. Mm. And then the, yeah, and then there's a fun thing that happens at the end of the month. Nice <laughs> little rematch. Uh, but yeah, but Birmingham, Birmingham. Yeah, no, this team has, is the definition of hot right now. Eight, one, and one in their last ten. I mean, I mean, yeah, points in their last six. Mm-hmm. It, it, this team, that they're very much ready to roll. I, I'm just kind of, I'm, I don't know. Well, I feel like I'm waiting for like the four to drop because. Uh, I know there's a couple more games in Huntsville against Birmingham, and then Birmingham is hosting one more game that has Huntsville. So maybe I feel like we need to see these teams kind of play each other because I feel like these two teams are destined to meet each other in the playoffs. I, I just mean, have that feeling. So, I mean, if you, I mean, if those two teams uh, kill each other, I mean, that'll be better news for the rest of the league. Oh, oh I mean, look, oh. I mean, I'm just being honest here. You know, like if they beat each other up, you know, to the badly, you know, I mean, better for the rest of the league. You know, still, uh, still, I, 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 I just, I, I'm very interested between Birmingham and Huntsville. I, I think it's kind of a fight for second at the moment. Maybe it, you include Knoxville in that, but I, I don't know. Maybe I think uh, Knoxville's kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, eh, not impossible, I guess. If Birmingham's hot right now, so if Birmingham would get cold again. Knoxville yeah. could definitely and, have a shot. But here's here's also you know uh, again talking about kind of the second seed Birmingham and Knoxville both have 46 games played. Huntsville, Huntsville only has 44. 44. Yep. So that's that's huge. That's four points of difference that you can apply. Yeah, like basically now that Peoria actually had a little bit of a bumpy part, Sith getting close again. The fact that they still have six points is like a big, big league. Yeah. Actually, I'm trying to, actually no, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm going to look at something real quick. Wow. So, besides the difference between Quad City and Macon, which is ridiculous, 
22 points. points. Uh, the difference between Peoria and Birmingham is the biggest of the playoff, yeah. which is actually kind of nuts. That six points is the biggest difference. Yeah, it is. Uh, that uh, shows, to me, that shows just how good the SBHL has been this year, how competitive it's yeah. been. I love it. And, so and speaking going of going to each yep. freaking weekend, and we can't really figure out who's going to win because everyone's like, huh, well, huh. Well, it'll so, make the playoffs that much more interesting. Well, well, still, I mean, let's talk about Knoxville a little more. Again, uh, in their past, they're on a two game winning streak. They're six and four in their last 10. I feel like this is kind of a dark horse, possibly for third, if Birmingham kind of sputters out. Like, I think they're, they possibly they're, could. they're just the definition of dark horse. In general, like not even just for third, but I think I've said it before in the, the season. Come playoff time, they're they should be absolutely a dark horse. Come playoff yeah. time, they because there's people on this team that know how to win a championship. They just won, playing them just won one last season in the Fed. Yeah, they will know what needs to be done, and that should be a worry for a team like maybe Birmingham or Roanoke, even. Who are near, who are close to them, but don't have that quite cup experience. Mm. Now, speaking of Roanoke, again, kind of the dark horse of the regular season. A lot of people, including myself, had them a little lower. I mean, uh, been getting a little rough lately, though. Yeah, I'm I was not, about to and, say. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about barking dogs. Yeah, uh, they've been kind of, kind of a little low uh, when it comes to games. They're four and five and one in their last ten. I mean. Could we? Could this be kind of like that March surprise team that either like blows up or like, you know, falls to the bottom? Uh, well, let's see, let's see their schedule real quick here. Let's see what their upcoming schedule looks like. Um, oh, the next four are on the road in Huntsville and two against Huntsville and then two against Knoxville. Yeah, it's kind of a big. Ooh, ooh. ooh. Ooh, uh, they they got to turn around at some point during that stretch. They, I hate to say that that's a rough one, but then they get two, they get at least four more straight games at home to end the month with two against Fayetteville, then Knoxville, and then Peoria. <laughs> they have a weekend against Peoria, the thirty first and the first. So that will they they got to figure it out now because these next few games they've lost the last two. Uh, they lost two. Knoxville and Birmingham last weekend. Uh, they did get a point out Birmingham, but still, that is going to be rough. They got to figure it out now, or they could lose some valuable spots, multiple yeah. spots. Because since the next team we're talking about, uh, like I said, is a problem. Evansville. I mean, seven and three in the last ten. That Remember says what it you all. said? You they were like sure they're in six right now, but honestly they are the one team, again, that has been able to have Peoria's head consistently all season. Yeah. Kind of an I mean, annoying little – they have a team. <laughs> well, well, right now, the, the way things are, uh, I mean, if, if again, Evansville uh, – again, the way things are structured, they would be playing Huntsville. But, like, you know, it's still – Again, actually, because I think they played them in the first round last year too. Yeah. So, it's, it's like Evansville – that could be a team that could be a problem in the playoffs where you have a team that consistently has gotten the better of you, even though you're probably the better team. It's like, okay, what do you, you kind of have to hope if you're a Peoria fan, Evansville kind of falls apart and they're not showing any signs. Of that, that that's right why now. I'm not going to lie. I know there's not, I know we probably wouldn't face them in the first round. So I'm just like, hopefully the team that does play in the first round kick, kicks them out because I do not want to potentially play them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the other I kind of playing, I think Peoria would lose. Well, speaking of the other playing team, uh, Pensacola, um, it's like they're trying to lose. Back to their BS. Look at look at their last ten. Yeah, three, three, two, and two. Yeah, five hundred. There we go. Five hundred. The team. Well, just, I think just a little above five hundred. But yeah, it's, yeah, they look. Uh, they. They're doing what needs to be done at least. They're still winning some games. They had a good like they played Quad City last weekend, but particularly they lost Saturday and Sunday to Quad City. Both in both past regulation, by the way. Mm-hmm. So 
Those are games you need to be winning, especially since Quad City is trying to get back. They're trying to get back. But before we talked about them, uh, so Pensacola needs to jump on the pedal a little bit more. But before we get to Quad City Fayetteville, oh, you better turn it around now because uh, things in your rearview mirror are closer than they appear. Yeah. Uh, Quad City is now only two points behind you. And you only have a game ahead, like less than them. Yeah, Fayetteville, very Fayetteville, well jump you at this point. Yeah, Fayetteville's kind of a, of a situation where I'm like, oh, could, could could we see another drop again? And I think I think they're the most likely candidate because I mean, QC is seemingly f- kind of finding their footing once again after taking most of the season to to regain it, but. I would be intrigued uh, to see what happens. Now, now with Quad City, though, I want to bring attention to something. Yesterday, on the transactions, they put a lot of players either on the the IR or put them even further on the IR. They put Moran and Virgili on the IR, which are both huge losses, especially Virgili. Um, And Aaron Ryback and Matt Ustoski, are now even further, longer day IRs. So it's like, they are just getting pummeled. At least they got Trevor Momet back from Iowa, but like, it's not great right now. They, 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 even if they make the playoffs, they're going into the playoffs wounded. Yeah, very wounded. And it's like, but the fact that they even have a shot right now, considering is, well, I guess in I guess it's like their stick. It's shocking. <laughs> and then finally, we have our last team making again, kind of like Delaware, where they found, they kind of found their gear like way too late. But I'm interested next season. Like that's kind of like my tune to watch. Yeah, I mean they're three and seven in the last time, but they lost. They've been losing three straight, and now they're about to play Evansville, which, I uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they're about to play Evansville uh, a little bit this next weekend. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. But since Evansville's been super hot right now, uh, I I just hope make – how about this? I just hope there's a body left. Oh. Oh, come on. All right. And finally, our last team, Vermillion County. Oh, wait. Wait. <laughs> wow. Wow. I wasn't even going to go that far. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Damn, All right, that's, that's like a mean joke. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, well, next up, we have our interview with the FBHL commissioner, Don Kinnaman, in three, two, one. And welcome to the show, FBHL commissioner, Don Kernman. I, I, I can't believe this is actually happening. Uh, we talked about it last week. Matt, welcome to the show also. Uh, I think we let's just go and start getting in, into the questions. I mean, what do we want to start off with, Matt? Hi, David. Uh, always great talking to you. So we uh, we, asked, we asked the fans. Are you there? Yes. Yes, I. Oh. Seems we're having some connection issues. Okay, hold on. Yes, sir. I'm. Hey, I think Matt kind of just cut out for a second. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, okay. Okay, there we are. All right, so Don, we uh, we actually went and asked the fans a few questions. Um, what it is that they wanted to hear about, and the first thing that popped up was: Is there going to be expansion into New Jersey? Um, a couple of years from now, probably the uh, people in Atlantic City want to build a building. Uh, it looks to be in the planning stages right now, but probably be, uh, you know, usually these things take a couple of years. We've been involved with some of those in the past, and usually it takes a couple of years to get those going. Yeah, the specific city that everybody's asking about is Trenton. No, we've not talked to Trenton in a, in a while. Uh, somebody looked at it a few years ago before the virus, but 
we haven't had any uh, discussions with Trent lately. Okay. Um, the next set of questions that we had were video review. So Sarge brought it up uh, at the beginning of the year that the league was considering video review. Yeah, we were not able to put it in every building, buildings that we have it in. Um, uh, we do use it uh, when we have a situation with a uh, uh, with somebody that basically uh, is questioning the call. We plan on trying to get it in all the buildings next year. Um, some of the buildings are pretty large buildings where you have, uh, you know, high ceilings and certain things that we had to deal with. But uh, that's one of the things that we'd like to do. It's a uh, funny thing when I was watching uh, the perfect game with Don Larson in 1956. They show it in New York all the time. And the one thing that hits you right in the face is uh, there was no video reviews of any plays. <laughs> and, uh, and the first thing you look for when you watch sports today is a video review. So um, it's something that people want and people uh, are used to. So we, we're trying to do that wherever we can. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, then the other question that we picked out of the group was um, with regards to broadcast standards, is there any plans to make the broadcast all the same across the league with the same camera quality? Well, that's a, that's a goal uh, that we have. We're improving upon it year by year, but it's not where we want it to be. And again, you know, people look for a certain standard that you have when you're watching games. Uh, you know, uh, for the regular broadcast network and, uh, and, you know, of course they have, uh, 10 or 15 cameras and we don't. So, so we're looking to try to improve upon that as we go along. We, we do provide a free broadcast, um, you know, to all of our fans, but we, we have to try to create a better, you know, better, more, uh, you're correct. I mean, some are better than others for sure. Right. Uh, Don, I want to say thank you once again for coming on. I have a quick, I have a question from uh, Christian Gardecki. He's a Danbury fan, and he was he sent me a question, kind of saying, "I've been kind of watching the Fed since I was eight years old." He was at the first league press conference on December thirtieth, two thousand nine, and his question was basically, "Did you ever think that thirteen years later the league would be this strong and would be kind of, I guess, you would still be at the head of it?" Or did you think, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it'll still be going, but uh, I wouldn't be exactly there anymore? Um, good questions. Uh, I, I ran a, during that time, I was running a 32-team junior league, uh, the Empire League, which we merged with the USBHL. And uh, we went from five teams to 32 teams in about five or six years. And... I did not realize the complexity of running a league like this. Um, this is 10 times harder than uh, But, you know, it's, I was fortunate enough to coach uh, a lot of players that played the NHL. Uh, I had 20-some-odd kids drafted that I coached in the NHL. Uh, this is way harder than anything I did in in, in all my hockey 50 years so it's it's a uh, very difficult thing to do and to show you how hard it is um there's eight leagues that lasted 10 years since the nhl started in uh, 1917 five of them are still around. uh there, there are three that didn't make it that's that's all that made it to 10 years only eight leagues in 100 years so it's, it's very very difficult and uh certainly uh Interesting thing about Danbury is uh, they were one of our largest buildings when we started. Uh, right now, they're one of our smallest buildings. Yeah, that's something we wanted to touch on, too, with the direction that the league is going in for building size. Will cities like Danbury need to get bigger facilities? No, I think we're, uh, we're coming up with plans. We, we always... The one thing about us is uh, we have not taken over an NHL uh, 
city or facility yet, but every other league we have taken over uh, from the AHL all the way down. And we, we have a plan where smaller buildings can still survive. And I, I don't think we're going to get away from that. Um, and, you know, we are looking to try to keep all of the smaller buildings alive. Uh, you know, there are a lot of places that didn't have hockey um, that, that do. And, and keep in mind, and the important things for fans to realize, in, in every single city that we're in, in every single facility, we took over where there was no hockey in the past, you know, during that season. We didn't take over for any team. They might have lost their team for a year, two years, or ten years, but there was no hockey. So we brought hockey where there was no hockey. And that's and, and that's the story on every building. And we look to expand next year, and uh, it'll be the same situation. We're not taking over any existing building that's operating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess my next question, kind of talking about kind of current events uh, in, in the uh, FPHL, uh, I want to ask, I have a couple questions regarding Delaware, because that's that's been a, a team that has, it's 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 things. Um, I want to first off kind of ask about the whole uh, Brendan O'Reilly situation with what happened last Friday. I, I mean, I, I talked about it uh, quite a bit, where I was not personally a fan of what happened on Friday. And I guess I, I want to kind of, the league has not really addressed this in my opinion, I guess from your perspective, uh, how, how is everything being addressed from that point of view? Well, we, we haven't had received, we knew that it was a, uh, uh, the teams are in charge of uh, broadcasting their own games. Um, and basically uh, we, we haven't really, uh, it hasn't really been brought up, really hasn't been addressed uh, as of yet. Um, you know, teams basically are responsible for their own broadcast and their own situation. And I think uh, some some teams at this point uh, are really, for example, uh, in Columbus, we have a situation where it's a former NHL broadcast, you know, he worked in uh, I think for Nashville and the NHL and we have, you know, younger guys that are uh, breaking, breaking it into the broadcasting business. So every team does what they can with their broadcast. Um, And, and we have a, uh, an award at the end of the year, who's the best broadcaster. We don't have who's the worst, uh, but we do have who the best broadcaster is every year. And we've had some very good ones. And I believe, uh, uh, obviously, you know, there's, uh, if you look at since we broadcast in the last, uh, where it's been free on YouTube, um, you know, we've had some good, good situations and bad situations, uh, for sure. And, uh, that's, uh, that, that's pretty much up to the owners to try to rectify that. We'll bring it up at our league meeting. Uh, but you know, we, we believe the better, the job that the owner does, the, the better it will uh, reflect on their team, their operation, and the league. Mm. Uh, and now, uh, I guess, kind of regarding Delaware this offseason, uh, from my understanding, their, their lease is expiring. I, I guess, kind of, is there kind of, if, if there cannot be a, uh, an agreement reached, uh, will the Delaware market still be touched upon, maybe in a different city, or is there a plan in place for a replacement for them? Well, we, uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen in Delaware. I know that there's, there are negotiations now to try to extend the lease. Um, if they're not able to, uh, to do that, um, there's, you know, we're basically, uh, we'll have to see what happens from that point. We have, uh, a couple of teams, uh, at least two teams that are slated uh, once their leases become available. Uh, we have one in Baton Rouge, which is supposed to join. Uh, we're waiting for the lease to come back. Um, you know, we have a facility that uh, we used to operate out of Danville that, uh, you know, the fans want to see us come back there. So, um, and we have a facility in Virginia that we're doing. So, 
we'll have to see what basically happens. Uh, it's happened in the past. Uh, I know in Dan Barry, we, we had, you know, the group in 2009, they lost their lease and it was, uh, uh, another group took over. And then when, uh, when he left, uh, basically, uh, it was a new group that came back in. So it's, you know, if someone wants to be in our league, they have to have a lease. They got to have a place to play. So, uh, that's, and they don't have much time to do it. We're going to be probably releasing the schedule in uh, May, uh, maybe late April. So whatever the situation is, there isn't much time. So, Don, you know that I'm involved with a group to bring in an expansion team this season, uh, as well as the potential of buying a current active team in the league. Um, with that being said, is there a certain state that you feel the league really needs to enter into? Uh, not necessarily. What we're trying to do is um, go into pods, if you will, uh, where we, um, you know, we we did a uh, where we have a team in the Gulf of Mexico and we have a team in Lake Ontario, which is not a tight footprint. Um, you know, it's the entire length of the uh, United States. So uh, we'd like to have, you know, a uh, schedule where, um, and I noticed when I went to Danbury and I go to other cities up north, they really don't care if Mississippi goes. Uh, they'd rather see Danbury. Uh, people in Watertown rather see Danbury. People in Binghamton rather see Danbury. People in Danbury rather see Binghamton also than Mississippi. So it's really a question for us is can we, can we put together, you know, three, four, five team pods where we have an on-balance schedule, similar to what the AHL has right now, where, you know, certain teams play teams more than another and they develop their own rivalry. So, um, you know, I, like I mentioned, we had a, a team from Montana that wanted to, to join, and I said you had to get a pod, you had to get some other teams, uh, and they weren't able to do that. Um, we can't go to Montana uh, with one team. It just doesn't make sense for us. Right. So South Carolina, I know, is a place that's been looked at in the past, uh, and so has uh, Topeka in, in Kansas. Uh, which of the two states do you think is more ideal for the league right now? Either one uh, would work. Um, you know, as we, the teams of Michigan can get to Kansas. Um, probably um, South South Carolina would work uh, probably better. They're in the middle of a lot of teams. So I think either one of those would work pretty well. Um, but, but we're not afraid to, like I said, no matter what you do, unless you go to Montana, it's better than what we did this year. I mean, we have really a, a wide schedule and, and the cost, uh, we seem to, we really think that we can keep, uh, costs down to owners by, by having more of an unbalanced schedule next year. Would so, there ever be an opportunity to go back to Canada again? Yeah, there's an opportunity. It's, uh, you know, again, I, when I, I did run that, but I did own a team in the Toronto Provincial League. I owned a team in the Toronto Metro League, which were fun times. Um, been to, you know, uh, my parents are from Canada, so it's not exactly uh, foreign to me, if you will, Canada. Mm -hmm. So so we, uh, we basically uh, you have to find the right situation. But again, there's... Um, there's there are some opportunities in Canada uh, if people want to do it. Um, we certainly have, you know, uh, Watertown is only 29 miles from the border. Uh, we also have, you know, the two Michigan teams that are right on the border. So it's you know, we we have teams that you know would be able to service uh, teams in that area, but uh, it's just I don't know what you know we've. Uh, We've looked at it in the past. I mean, we thought it was going to work in Cornwall. Uh, we were there, you know, both with Akosazi and Cornwall, and uh, they're just uh, 
it's just, you know, I don't think it was the product or the ownership or anything. I just think Cornwall hasn't been able to sustain a team in 25 years. Right. Uh, you, you would think that they could, you know, based on the, the facility and the demographics, but they just couldn't, they couldn't support anything. So I was looking oh, recently at Brockville, Ontario, uh, and their municipal arena, which sits uh, 1,200. Would that be an appropriate market for the flight, considering they're only an hour away from Watertown? It's possible. It's uh, it's it's obviously on the small side. Uh, they do they still have their uh, CHF Central Hockey uh, Junior team there? They do, however, they moved into a different facility. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I know, I know uh, the facility. Yeah, I know, I know the facility. Yeah, it's a possibility. I think it's. Uh, uh, we certainly have a bunch of uh, teams, you know, close to there. You know, you're right. It's only an hour away from Watertown, but we have, you know, two or three other teams that are, you know, only an hour, hour and a half away from Watertown. So it's not a bad trip. Right. You know, for for three or four for three or four teams. So I know that the biggest fans will kill me if I don't ask this question. Um, is there going to be some changes in officiating next season? Uh, well, the the officiating is um, basically. Uh, in the United States, not in Canada, because I remember when I owned a team in Toronto, uh, they were one of the administrators said that they played 2,200 games a day in the province of Ontario, and they had officials for all of the games. Um, USA Hockey has lost about half their officials the last two or three years. So we are dealing with a referee shortage. Um, we, we do have guys that do AHL games and, and other higher leagues that do come in and obviously they're, they're filling in. We have other officials. That's the basic inventory of officials that are left uh, to leagues, you know, where we are. There's, um, you know, they do junior A games. They, you know, they do other games. Uh, some of these officials, they do, uh, uh, but that's that's the inventory of officials that are left. Uh, I do know that you know one of our coaches that won the league last year, Brent Clark, says that our officiating is is better in his opinion than the SP. But the SP is getting the same guys, same type of officials that we are. So I think once you leave uh, the NHL or AHL, you're basically getting a different level of official, um, and that's. That's what we're dealing with. That's what the uh, SP is dealing with. Um, there's a limited amount of officials that are available. Uh, we're on it all the time. We have uh, weekly meetings. We're going to run a referee uh, clinic. Uh, and we're trying to get as many, uh, you know, a bigger pool. And, again, we have to service the South, which there's there's just a lot of – there's just a lot of uh, – there's just a lot of officials that are uh, – that we have to wheel in from from the north to go down to the south, and so uh, we're hoping that uh, we can do that. I, I also think that some of the calls that the people are complaining about on the officials uh, on instant replay, it turns out probably the, the vast majority of the time that the officials correct. Um, and again, I had a lot of players that I coached um, that made it to the NHL. I don't recall any officials kicking in the puck into the net. I thought the players actually scored the goals. That's why they got to the NHL. And none of my officials that I had, you know, made uh, saves for our goalies. So players basically, <laughs> players basically make it on their own. And uh, people have a tendency to blame the officials when they lose a game. Again, 95% of the time, the reason they lost the game was because the other team scored more goals or made more saves. So they, they have a tendency to blame the wrong people. So, John, I, I want to ask, I'm a fan from Alabama. Uh, I, I grew up a, a Huntsville fan, of course, SP. I, I guess 
with the league expanding south, uh, you, you first had kind of Carolina, and now you have Columbus, Biloxi, Baton Rouge possibly coming in. I guess how are you kind of having to deal with the balancing act of having a league that's basically next door to you and also trying to expand your teams at the same time? I, I'm sure that's a difficult task. Well, it is. Um, we um, What we tried to do is we looked at opportunities um, with – uh, with our certain mode of operation, we operate a little bit differently than they do. Uh, I think our costs are a little bit less. And uh, I recall when we when we went and we played a uh, a showcase game, maybe five six years ago in Carolina, maybe it was longer. Uh, the facility didn't even have enough ticket takers, and they ran out of beer at the end of the first period. Nobody. Uh, out of the 100 people I talked to, I was there for a few days, thought that any team could ever survive in Carolina because the last three, four, five teams didn't survive. And now if you ask those same 100 people, they would all say that it can survive. So uh, as you go into markets, as you go into certain places, certain markets want teams more than others. Uh, Certain cities want teams more than others. uh, And they... uh, that's what we're experiencing in, in where we are. But I will say that some of the places that we went to uh, in Carolina and other places uh, with higher costs or drastically higher costs, uh, I don't think we would be able to make it either. I, I know Binghamton's one of our better places right now, but um, you know the budget between what they had versus us, uh, they would be losing still a lot of money so it's so it's so it's either you you have a product uh you have players and you have hockey or you have a, a vacant building similar to what danville was before uh before the uh dashers went there that building laid dormant for many many years there was no team so so that's basically what it is it's just you know there's a, there's certain leagues that can survive with a certain cost structure that you know, that you're faced with. I know we had a coach uh, last year, uh, Rod Davidson. He won the Central Hockey League Championship in the late 90s. He said there were 52 teams that were around when he won uh, the late 90s that are no longer around as minor pro. So I I guess when kind of follow up on that, you talked about uh, Danville a little bit. I guess what was your reaction as commissioner when – you had the, the first, the 2020 vote that happened and the team got to stay for another year. Then you had COVID and the team was replaced with the Bobcats. I, I guess now you, we have a very strong possibility of seeing the Fed return to Danville. But I, I guess how, what was the league's reaction to the Dashers being, I, I guess you would say, basically kicked out of the David S. Palmer Arena? Well, it was very unusual. I, I don't think any any place that I've ever seen that someone has been successful and took over. And then again, it was a dead uh, market um, that have somebody keep in mind the first two or three years he operated that team. He lost a lot of money. Um, so he turned it, you know, he turned it around and, and then, you know, they didn't, uh, then they they basically went with someone else, which I don't think has ever been done anywhere in the United States uh, that I know of. I've, I've never heard of anything. Um, but I feel terrible for uh, for the Bobcats. I feel, you know, I hate to see people lose money. Obviously, there was a loss, and you hate to see what happened happen uh, for all the parties involved. Uh, and it's an unfortunate situation, so I, I feel bad the way things turned out for, for everybody, really, it's, it's not good, you know, for the fans, it's not good for, for, for certainly the people that were operating the team. Um, you know, we, we are hoping that everything would work out well. Uh, we don't like to see anybody, whether they're in our league or anybody else's league, lose money, uh, on anything. Uh, and that's, I, I really felt terrible about the whole thing. Mark, you haven't said anything. Do you have a question? I mean, 
I mean, you guys have covered a lot of things that I would have like already asked. Like, I, I haven't even told y'all before, like the start. Like, this is something that, like, uh, hmm. Well, okay. So, has there? Okay, so with the the plan, like, with all the ideas of the league expanding, because this is something that has been a bit of a concern with me. Um. Are you ever afraid of taking too big of a risk, like, uh, like going as far like like uh, Matt mentioned Topeka earlier? That's a pretty far from the rest of the Fed footprint. Even if you brought in like Danville again, that's a pretty far distance. Um, and or or I've heard people talk about like online, uh trying to put a team in places that already have a, another Meyer pro team. And w- would there be like a concern, like how big would the concern be that you would be taking too big of a risk in placing those teams in those locations? Well, we, yeah, we always are concerned about certain things, but, it's laughable now. When I first looked at Winston-Salem, um, the former manager didn't even want to show me the building because uh, he said, you guys will never move south and you're wasting my time. Uh, we have, that next year we'll have four or five teams further south than him. So, uh, so you know, I keep everything in perspective. Uh, I do believe that there are areas um uh, that would like to have our type of league. Um, obviously, we've been successful. We're uh, uh, every every market that we've been in, we've done better than the previous teams. So I believe uh, I think I think there are just certain markets that we could be in. This, do I think there are other areas of the country that this would work? Yes, we and we are. You know, we're we're talking to another four or five different places and they weren't they're probably not going to happen this year but they might happen a year from now and uh i think as long as we have an unbalanced schedule i think we could uh pull it off but it's uh uh but it's got to be the right situation and uh do we are we going to be able to operate next door to another minor league team and i i would rather doubt it i i think you have to have your own fan base and uh if you look at the uh if you look at the uh, Watertown, they're 50 miles away from any other uh, competition. Uh, so is uh, Binghamton. So is uh, Elmira. Um, for a large extent, so is Danbury. Certainly Delaware. So when you look at, you know, they're they're 50 miles away from everything. So, so, so there is a uh, certain things that we look at, certain things that you know we evaluate. We think, and if we think someone's not going to make it, they're sim- we're simply not going to let them operate because uh, they, they're a partner. And uh, if they're not going to make it, then then, then it's going to be uh, like I said, I like with the Danville situation. You don't want to see anybody lose money uh, trying to you know provide entertainment for fans. So it's something I've seen a lot of uh, running this league, and we don't want we don't want anybody to go through that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess my final question would be kind of overall, where do you see this league in, uh, let's let's say, a decade? Because we're talking about Western expansion. We're talking about Southern expansion. Uh, you, you, there's always, every couple of years, you always add a Northern team to this league. Do you see this league kind of being almost, I guess, kind of, kind of being a, the stepping stone for the, I guess you could say, to the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL? Are, do you think that this league would be best at kind of having independent players come in and then having call-ups happen? I think that's what I see as a possibility of happening. I think it's a question of uh, there certainly is a player pool. If you look at how many players that we've had to advance uh, the last two years, it's it's uh, over 200. Uh, so, you're, so you're looking at uh, – 
the opportunity that we're giving the players to to move up the ladder. There's there's people that wanted to continue to play. Um, I mean, there's a lot of kids that play uh, college hockey uh, because they want to continue playing, and they'll they'll pay a tuition to go to Division three uh, and and play. They can play in front of larger crowds in our building and not have to pay uh, to play. Uh, so I think it's, I think there's a, a huge pool of players. I think that that'll work. But again, we're, for the most part, you know, the building that's basically doesn't have a tenant in it right now. It does want a tenant. And do they want to, you know, create an environment? And um, like I said earlier, you know, with, with the people that went out of, the 52 teams that went out of business, uh, they went out of business because costs escalated and uh, they couldn't generate enough uh, fan support and corporate support to break even. So I think we found a way to to make it so teams can break even. Um, and the players are available. So I think uh, where we're short right now is we don't have enough venues I can tell you right now, if I had 10 or 12 more venues, I, I have 10, 10 potential owners that want to expand. I mean, we just can't find the venues right now. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Commissioner, once again for coming on the show. Uh, Mark, especially that question, Matt, uh, it's, it's been an honor having you on. And hopefully one day you would, you know, later down the line, it would be awesome to have you back on again. Great. Nice being with you guys. All right. Nice being with you too. Stick around, everyone, for the next segment.